I'm excited to dig a little bit more into John. Kenny started us off in John last week. And this is a little bit loud, isn't it? He said talk normally. I don't, apparently, I don't talk normally when I preach, only when I do sound checks. So um, we're back in John. We're going to be in John for a few months. And uh, John is one of those books. Like I don't know if you've ever, not many people read books today, but like watched a movie or a TV show. And... Uh, and you just, no, that's true. Me too. Like, I, I, th- I was thinking about this earlier. I was like, wait a minute. We don't read books and talk about them. We, we watch shows on Netflix and talk about them, right? Like, it's one of those books that you, like, you watch a show, right? You watch a, I used to come home from work when I had a job where I, like, go off to AT&T, come home from the office. And um, my wife would watch this show who began with O, ends with pra. And, uh, like... <laughs> You know, and it's not not just her. We all do this. But when you describe a show you've been watching, and it, the description actually takes longer than watching the show, just because there's so much there, and there's so much content, and you learn this, and you learn that. And John is like that. You just can't stop digging into and talking about it, the intricacies of John. And uh, the whole first chapter is really just, um, not the whole first chapter, but the, this part that we're in is a prologue to John. So the story hasn't even begun yet, and yet if you're paying any attention, your mind has been blown in each and every verse. It's just amazing. The light, the word, the logos, the or logos, uh, the truth of God became flesh. God became a man. Moved into the neighborhood, the message puts it, the, the paraphrase of the Bible. Jesus became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Just think about what would happen if right now Jesus moved onto your street, like moved into your neighborhood, flesh and blood. That, that actually happened. That's amazing. But it doesn't even stop there. He goes into these, these beautiful things about how that works and how it plays out. And uh, today we're going to talk about a witness. Just beginning, like I said, it's a prologue. So it's not even really the story of this witness yet. It's just a like, okay, in the book that, that you're going to read, there's this guy who is a witness who gives testimony about Jesus. And I like a lot of the commentators say uh, in the Bible, the idea of witness in the New Testament is less about sometimes witnessing that Jesus is great but a witness of the gospel actually is a witness that the, the world is guilty. That we, the world, are guilty. And we're witnessing on, on behalf of that truth that, there, that we are guilty and yet there is a rescuer. There is a redeemer who will, as John said, adopt us into his family. Put us in right standing with the judge. So there is a witness here. And I want to, to get you in thinking about witness and about being excited about something you want to share about, something you've seen, something you've witnessed. And uh, I'm gonna, if I were to tell you that I have a friend, some of you might be surprised at that, but if I were to tell you that I have a friend who, uh, if you went with me to his house, and, and, you not, and he, he invites everyone to his house, you know, it's one of those just amazing houses that the door is always open. You're always welcome. He always has time for you. He's that friend, right? And, and if you'll go over to his house and you'll listen to him and actually believe what he says and who he says he is, if you believe his story, and it's true, if you believe his true story, he will give you everything. 
Not just everything you can imagine. This friend will give you everything. He will give you the world and then some. He will invite you into his family and he owns everything and yet he gives it to you. And he also uh, has the ability to give this to everyone. So you can go tell all your friends and he will give them each everything as well. And he doesn't just stop at giving you everything. In that process, he will make you awesome. Uh, He will make you amazing. He will make you just like him. He will make you good. How many of you want to be good? How many of you want to meet that friend, right? That will make you good. And I mean, not just like a good TV show or a good book, like good where there's no bad light, where there's no darkness. He will make you that good. He will heal whatever ails you physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, financially. Some of you've done your taxes this year and you're like, I used to say woohoo when I did my taxes and now I say, uh uh-oh. Right? He will heal whatever ails you. He will be your friend. He will be your pastor. He will be your doctor. He will be your counselor. He will be your boss. He will be your brother. And he will do a better job than all of your current ones. What would you do if I told you that I had a friend and you believed me? A friend like that. You would go, right? And you would listen and you would be willing to at least entertain the idea that this friend is real. And then once you believed and you met this friend and your life was transformed and you began to see these things happening in your life and you began to see him undoing all the brokenness in your life and you began to see this new trajectory for your life, what would you do then? You would go tell everyone that you know and everyone you don't know and you would travel to to even Guatemala, right? To go tell people about this wonderful friend and invite them back to meet this wonderful friend. And that's what we're talking about. That the gospel, the good news that we witness and that we're reading about here is truly good news. So many of us, as God's people, fail to witness because we forget that it's good news. We think we're sharing a better set of ideals or a right religion or just the the correct facts so that this person can be right like me. But no, we're sharing good news, glad tidings. Let's read it again. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the, the light. Light is good, right? Like, unless you're trying to sleep, you know, light is good. But, but light is good. That's, that's something good that we appreciate. It drives out shadow and darkness. That all might believe through him, through John. So through this witness, God sent him so that all might believe. He was not the light. He came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. What a beautiful passage. 
What a beautiful passage. I think all of us people, people, all the people that I've met at least so far in my life, and I'm only 34, so I've still got a few more people to meet, right? But everyone I've met wants a job that is important and a job that is fulfilling. And the, the job that we're talking about here this morning is that job. No matter what your money-earning vocation is, the job we're talking about here this morning and the job that John has here is that job. And if you're a Christian and you already believe that, you already say, you know, I've, I agree that, that witnessing about the light is better than any job and it's what I do at my job, it's what I do when I do my chores, that yes, that is the, the wonderful job that God has given us. The question for us, though, the problem that we still wrestle with is not having enough motivation or not having proper motivation oftentimes, right? We have a a motivation problem often, even though we mentally agree. We may have even written it down somewhere. We've committed to it. We said that's what our life was going to be about when we were baptized into the church. And yet we forget and we fall short. And we're not sure the last time anyone has heard us witness about the light. But if you want to dedicate your life to the most important things, the most meaningful job, as it were, the job with the biggest payoff at the end, and the job that God made you for, then listen to this message. And I want to let you know that you are not here this morning by chance. You're not here just because you decided to be here. God wants you to be here. He wants you to be in his word. He wants you to hear this good news concerning his love for you and his love for this city and his love for the world. So God has brought you here today to hear this message. We believe that. So it's definitely worth your time to to dig in with me and listen up. And if we decide right now, all of us to to humble ourselves and to let Jesus, show us the light of his love for us. We will become new. Or we will become new again. We will be, as Jesus says, born again. And for those of us who are born again, we will be encouraged to live the life that Jesus saved us for. We will become the the new city within this city that shows off the light of Jesus' love to the city. And I'm not standing here as one who has has kind of conquered this struggle to be the light. I'm in this struggle to be focused on the light of Jesus with you. It's easy for me to forget why I was saved, to forget about the beauty of the light that made me new. Last week, I asked one of my friends who is an evangelist at heart. He is a, uh, an evangelist. That word is uh, basically the same word as gospel, just in verb form or in like job form. So it's, it's a good newsist. It's someone who loves to share the good news. Uh, and he is an evangelist. And I asked my friend for kind of a discipleship assignment. I said, I want to grow to be more like Jesus as a witness to those who don't yet know him. And uh, so I wanted a hard assignment. Uh, I said, 
So, so give me something like what comes to your mind off the top of your head. And, and so he assigned me to a, a great, simple assignment to find a way to get together with five people that I know that aren't born again, aren't yet part of the family of God, aren't part of the church and aren't Christians and to listen well to those people when I get together with them and to ask a simple question and say, you know, I'm going to pray for my friends this week and I'd like to know how I can pray for you. I was excited. That's a very concrete, solid uh, assignment, right? That is as wonderful to have assignments like that. I loved it. I wrote it down. I wrote down the names of the people. I started praying for them, started asking the Holy Spirit, what's next? How can I spend time with these people in the next week and love them and ask them how I can pray for them? And I actually, by God's grace, like all of a sudden it just all started clicking. I got to hang out with all five of those people that week. In fact, uh, last Sunday morning, I got to go with a couple of those people to uh, to watch uh, Chelsea and Liverpool play. Uh, those are uh, Barclays Premier League soccer uh, teams, by the way, uh, play at Shakespeare's Pub 6 a.m. last Sunday. That's where I was, uh, Matt and I and a couple of friends. Um, I might have had a Guinness. Um, so, but it, we... We had a, a wonderful time just hanging out and getting to, to live life with these people arm in arm and, and loving one another as brothers, listening to them. And then I got to, uh, it was kind of a missional breakthrough that week. Our neighbors came to our daughter's softball game. They walked there. They even walked not knowing how far it would be. They thought it was another park. So they walked all the way to our kids' game. We got to hang out with them. Uh, the coach of their team hung out with us a little bit afterwards because we were barbecuing. We were grilling out. And uh, making some wings, so they joined us for that. So I got to hang out with all five of these people, but, you know, I, I didn't ask them how I could pray for them. I didn't, like, take the actual step of, like, being any sort of tangible, clear, like, statement of, of witness that I have this light that I want to share with you. Now, there were some actions, and I was loving and kind. I displayed maybe a little bit of the gospel with them and, and joining them in their life and having them join us in our life. But the Holy Spirit was convicting me actually last night as I was walking back to the car. at Albert, I was at Albertsons, so you know where this story took place. I was in the parking lot at Albertsons, and I'd just seen another guy that was a parent of one of my girl's teammates. Said hi to him. And I began thinking about like why and, and kind of asking the Holy Spirit, why am I so hesitant to, to be bold with my witness? And why am I questioning whether that was the right step? You know, because that's what was going on. I was like, is that really like the best, most strategic, like perfectly strategic first step in, in sharing the gospel is asking someone how you can pray for them? What if there's a better way? What if they don't believe in prayer? What if they don't really believe in God? That might not be the right question. And the Holy Spirit just calmly as he is. And kindly said, you're overthinking it. Would it be loving to ask someone if you could pray for him? Would it be loving to take someone's request before the light himself? Yes. Stop overthinking. Share the light with your friends. So it's a struggle that the Holy Spirit is, is always working on in my life and in our lives to remind us. And it may not be that exact thing. I'm not saying... The prayer is the absolute first question or conversation you should have with anyone that you want to share the gospel with. Uh, but he was telling me, stop overthinking it and love people where they are. And overthinking things is part of our problem, many of us. Anyone else overthink it? Overthink your job, overthink witnessing, overthink sharing the gospel with others some. 
God doesn't demand that we are the ones who solve the world's biggest problems. God didn't send us out with an assignment of solving everyone's problems by wonderful ingenuity and creativity, did he? He sent John as a what? A witness. Not as a doer of the light, like you've got to produce the light by being great. But as a witness, I am not the light. I mean, later on, uh, John gets so thorough with describing how uh, John talks about that he's not the light, that Jesus is the light. It says, uh, I forget even what verse it is, sorry. But he says, John confessed and he did not deny and he confessed. <laughs> like So he's like, Jesus is the light. I'm not the light. Jesus is the light. I'm not the light. Jesus is the light. And that's what Jesus called us to do, to not produce wonder in ourselves, but to give witness to Jesus. But we want to make it about ourselves. We want to make it about our abilities. We want our, our own kind of inward workings to shine. And, but God doesn't even demand that we solve our own biggest problems. Like the light is even what fixes my issues and my problems. So I can't even fix, and God doesn't want me, He doesn't call me to, to fix my own kind of problems, the biggest problems I have. And The biggest problems we have, the biggest problem the world has, according to the Bible, is what the Bible calls sin. It's rebellion against God and his ways. It's living for a light other than the light. It's sin. And we'll see today in this passage, we do see that that God solves this problem by sending the light. And it makes sense, really. Like, if sin is... Uh, a metaphor for sin in the Bible is darkness. How do you solve darkness? I, I, I know I talked about not overthinking it, but <laughs> how do you solve darkness? Turn the light on. You, you shine the light, right? And so uh, this, is, this makes sense. In fact, I, I couldn't find the reference again, uh, but I, I know in a sermon a few months ago, I had done some research and found in the medical field, they're, they have these lights, right? When you go into the doctor or the dentist, they have these wonderful lights that shine and just light up everything so they can see, which is good, right? If someone opens up your chest cavity to do heart surgery, you want them to be able to see. You don't want shadows. Oh, I, I cut something. I thought it was a shadow, right? Like, and that what they call the, what the technology in these lights is, they call it shadow reduction technology. Which just, it just means light, right? Like shadow reduction technology. It's like getting the angle of the light right is all that really means. I'm sure it's fancier than that because they're charging a lot of money for it. But like shadow reduction technology is what God offers us in Jesus, right? Light. The biggest problem of all is sin. Because the Bible says in Romans, the wages or the penalty, or the cost for sin is death. And the Bible also says in Romans that all have sinned. All people need a new start. And that's a huge problem. Everyone needing a new start. It's a huge problem. But again, no amount of ingenuity or know-how or creativity can solve. Can any of you make a person new? 
Can anyone make a person new other than Jesus? They can't. Can anyone pay the price to purchase those wages, to undo the wages of death for someone's soul? Now, none of us can even give. We couldn't give our souls and the soul of every person in the world to even purchase back one person's soul. No, only Jesus can solve the new life problem that we have and the, the sin problem that the world has. And, it, and also this, this then, if, if God solves that through the light, then it also, uh, sharing that good news is the best job. And so it solves that problem also of, of what's the best job for me to be working in life? What's the best thing for as I do other things to, for me to be truly dedicated to? And it also, as we reconnect with that truth of the light, solves our motivation problem of being falsely motivated by our own pride or, or demotivated by the struggles of life. So God sends this man, John, to tell people about a saving light, a light that demands belief. A light through whom the world, the entire world was made. You see that? It says, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made through him. If you want to hear more about that, I mean, Kenny did a wonderful job of getting into a little bit of that last week. Yet the world did not know him. The world was made through him. And it's a light which, as it says here, makes people new, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born, not of this, not of that, born of God, reborn, born again, made new. Now that is a love-filled, powerful, amazing, shadow-reducing light, isn't it? If you were being offered that kind of light, that kind of wonderful, life-giving, life-changing, life-filling light, and you are being offered that, how will you respond? How will you live in light of that? How will you react? How will your life be transformed by that light? So I have kind of a, a summary point of what I'm talking about this morning. It's that Jesus is the light that made us. Jesus is the light that makes us new and the light that makes us witness. Jesus is the light that made us. So we see again in this passage that the light, Jesus, is the light that made us all. He made everything around us. As you look out the windows and the trees and the buildings and everything that they're made up of, was all made through Jesus. He has claim to it all. Jesus is the word of God in this chapter, the logos, the logos. How did God make everything? By his word. And Jesus is that word. He made everything by and through and for Jesus. And yet the world did not, he was in the world and the world didn't know him. If you get at all what that verse is saying, this should be heartbreaking. 
If you see that verse for what it is. I, uh, every time I read this or think about this, the relationship between kind of the creation and the crea- creation and the created and the creation not recognizing the creator, I think of a, a movie, a wonderful deep movie called iRobot. Uh, Will Smith action flick, right? And, and it just has a lot of that, cr- that relationship between the creator and the creation. And, you know, it's one of those robots are going to take over because they get smarter than humans type movies. But the creation not recognizing or rebelling against the one who created it. And, and we're not robots. God doesn't treat us like robots. But in this world, in real life, not in the movies, we, the created, do not recognize our maker. And our maker is so wonderful. I mean, even you can make the best character up in a movie and he's not going to be as wonderful as our maker. He is so loving. He is so kind. And he is so compassionate. He's so compassionate. He sends the solution to our rebellion against him. And that solution is the death of his only begotten son. That is love and compassion. And that is our maker. So, you know, we have this expression that someone meets their maker. Right? You meet your maker. What does that normally mean? You die. Well, we want people to meet their maker, though, before they die. Right? Because our maker is wonderful. We can redeem that phrase. Now, we don't have to use it a lot, but I'm just saying. This is about meeting and re-engaging with our maker and learning to see him as he truly is. Because the light, as we sang about, transforms our hearts. As John read about from Corinthians, he, he opens our eyes to see the light. And that is a wonderful thing to meet our maker because our maker is our wonderful Lord and Savior. I pray that everyone in our city would meet their maker. Jesus. That's what this part of the prologue of John is getting at. The light, the light, it is wonderful and it makes all men new. And we get to be witnesses of this wonderful maker, this wonderful light, this wonderful announcement, this good news. If you want to know what the best job for you in life is, meet your maker. Get to know the light that made you and he will make you his own. And the love he shows you will compel you on this task of being a witness. Because Jesus is our light that makes us and he is the light that makes us new. God created you through Jesus again and for Jesus. And even though you and I and every human has strayed from our original purposes, strayed from living life for our creator, he invites us to come back. To believe in his name, it says here, and to receive him. And when we do that, he will give you the right to become a child of God. Let me say a little bit, though, about what it means to believe and to receive. Because without a biblical understanding of that, without a a reformed by the words of God understanding of that, uh, we might think that it means to believe. I don't know, like you believe that uh, uh, people use the analogy like I believe that chair is going to hold me up. Uh, And that's yeah, that's an understanding that comes by sight. You've seen it happen before. 
Um, but all other kind of analogies, all of our illustrations of believe fall short of what it means to believe in the name of Jesus and to receive him. I love what, the way the ESV Study Bible, which is a wonderful resource, by the way, uh, puts it this way. To receive him implies not merely intellectual agreement with some facts about Jesus, but also welcoming and submitting to him in a personal relationship. Believed in implies personal trust. It says to all who believed in his name. Personal trust. His name refers to all that is true about him and therefore the totality of his person. To believe in Jesus, in the name of Jesus, to receive him is to receive the personal transformative relationship and everything that Jesus is. So it means when you receive this wonderful light, when he comes to you and tells you that he is your savior, you receive his salvation. When he comes to you and he says, follow me, I am your leader, you receive his leadership. When he comes to you and says, I am your provider, you receive his provision. And if you receive his provision, that means you stop scrambling and, and doing everything you can and being anxious about getting your own provision or getting it from somewhere else. If he comes to you and says, I am your counselor, and he does, then you receive his counsel. You receive his encouragement. And he comes to you and he says, I am your protector. I am your rock. Then you receive his protection and you trust that you are protected by the name of Jesus. When he comes as authority, you receive his authority. When he comes as king, you receive his rule because it is better than whoever else you're following as king. Whether it be yourself or your boss or your friend that you're in trying, trying to impress or your spouse Whoever it is that you currently treat as king, you lay that aside and receive his kingship and his lordship. John Piper says receiving Jesus means taking Jesus into your life for what he is. It does not mean a kind of peaceful coexistence with a Christ who makes no claims as though he can stay in the house as long as he doesn't play his music so loud. That's not what it means to receive Jesus. It means to fully that he moves into your house and he now is the head of the house. He is now everything to you because he is better. Not just because that's right, but because he is better and he is loving and he is kind and he is compassionate. So and if you're a Christian already, you may be thinking, you know, I've received him like I get it. But the call here is also for us to receive him. To continuously and continually receive Jesus again for who he is. To remember all the time who Jesus is and to be renewed by that. 
That's what we do every week here as New City. We, we take the cup and the bread. And Jesus told us to do that in remembrance of him until he comes again. To remind ourselves where in our lives we haven't fully received him as Lord and King and Savior and Counselor and Authority and Leader and Satisfaction. And to submit ourselves again, to, to draw near to the light again, and to see him drive out darkness again in deeper and new ways. Romans 12.2 talks about that being renewed in your mind. That's what we do as we remember. You were not born into this family by your sacrifices, were you? You didn't get into the family of God by your religious acts. Someone might have told you that somewhere along the way, that that's what gets you in and and that's what keeps you close to God is your religious acts. That is a lie from the devil, just as he told Adam and Eve that they would be more like God if they did what he told them not to do. We got in the door by the light himself, right? And so every step along the way is by the power of the light himself as well. Getting into the family of God, it's like a... Uh, a door that you cannot open no matter what you try. CJ, come here. Be, be my door, please. Or, i, I got to make some room for this door. Okay. Stand right here. Just face, face them. Okay. This is my daughter, CJ. Say, say hi, CJ. No, say hi, CJ. Hi, CJ. Okay. Thank you. Um, <laughs> CJ, so, so Jesus is the, the door, right? In another place, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, no one enters except through me. So Jesus is the door. He's the, the light. The light is the door. And you're trying to get into the family of God, right? And you just, there's, you know, maybe you try the knob on the belly button. But like, there, you, you just push and you, you push and you force and the door doesn't open by all your efforts. And you call all your friends and you say, let's form, if we form this little group of our own and we try hard enough, like then maybe we can get through the door and it still doesn't work. And you like, you buy a lever and, and you get a shotgun, whatever it takes. You're, and the door resists all your efforts to try to get through on your own. And, and the door is saying, if you will just look at me and trust me, I will open to you and let you and invite you into the family. And if you engage with the door and receive his salvation, Jesus offers, if you it's through the cross, through the door, through the light himself. And you see the light kind of coming out from behind the door. You're like, I want that. And he says, well, just trust in me. Receive me as a person, and I will let you into the family of God through an embrace and through love. It's not by our efforts. Thank you, CJ. I used to just do that the whole time. I could preach like that. <laughs> and so once we're in the family of God, how ridiculous is it that we act like we got there by any other way? And we look down on each other. And we judge each other with self-righteousness. Again, was it your righteousness that knocked the door down? Is it your righteousness that keeps you in the family? No, we are here to witness to the light. In His righteousness. If you've got Jesus' righteousness, and you do if you're in the family, your self-righteousness must cease. If you got into the family by the glory of Jesus' sacrifice, glorying in my own sacrifices must cease. 
I must stop demanding that you look at how much I did for you and love me because of that. Look at how much Jesus did for us and love each other because of that. If I got in by the depth of Jesus' love for us, I must stop treating my love like it's my own and I've got to ration it out. I got into a family with an endless well of love through the endless well of love, so I have an endless well of love, try to say that three times fast, with you. And you have that to share with me. We did not get into the family of God by looking good, by being good, or by doing good. So we must stop trying to come off as though we are good. I do good to show off Jesus. And I sin and receive grace to show off Jesus. And I don't have to hide my sin because that shows off Jesus when I don't hide my sin. It's all about the light that got me in. It's not about me, not about you. It's about the light. So it brings us to our final point that I'm going to spend less time on because I've asked Jeff to come and share a story of this actually at work. The final point is that Jesus is the light that makes us witness. And I know this has been tied all throughout. We have been freed by the light to share that freedom with others. To share it with everyone I can, with my kids, with my family, with my brother, with my neighbor, with people in, in the next city over with people everywhere, to the very ends of the earth. We, we have this freedom and this light to offer to others. God sent John, it says, so that all might believe through him. And you know, even us today, ultimately, our, we, we credit our believing or our opportunity to believe even back to John. Like, this is still at work. This, the world is still being reached through the, the, the witness that began with John, who came as the light was entering into the world. That's, how, that's God's plan, was to use people as witnesses to share the light. People that he's transforming. People that have seen the light and tasted the light and want to share it with others. So be encouraged that it wasn't... Like God's plan was to, to write it in the sky with angels and that didn't work out. So, so he had to choose you as his, as plan B. No, we, the people of God, the church of God are the plan A and there is no plan B for sharing this witness with the world. And that's not a, like you should do this. That's that you get to share the, the cure for the world's biggest problem with the world. And Jeff is going to tell us about getting to be a witness. And remember, when you're afraid to witness, to share the good news, when your fear makes you hesitate, you must remember the light who conquered all fear with his love. Conquered death itself. And if he did that, what do you have to be afraid of? Return to Jesus through prayer and his word and the community and listening to the Holy Spirit when you're afraid. If you're unsure in your ability to say the right thing in your witnessing, you must remember to return 
to the truth himself. And remember also that he put his spirit in you to teach you along the way. So depend on Jesus, not your ability to say the right things. Return to the light. Trust the light. Whatever the reason, we we become hesitant to witness. The same thing that brought you into the light is what empowers and enables you to share the light. Believe again in Jesus. Receive His leadership. Receive His encouragement again. Return to Him through prayer. Read your Bible and meet Him there every day. Pray without ceasing. Encourage one another to to guard one another from the deceitfulness of sin as long as it's called today. And we will become this new city within the city to share the light with everyone in our city. Jesus is the light that made us. He's the light that makes us new. And he's the light that makes us witness. So, yeah, Jeff, will you go ahead and come share? And then I'll just close this out as soon as you're done and lead us into the time of communion. Jeff has, um, many of you may know, uh, Jeff is part of New City. He's been part of New City and was part of Kaleo before that uh, for a while. And um, we... Kind of prayed for him a few weeks ago as he went on a trip to Guatemala uh, to be a witness and take kind of that step of faith and share the light. And he's got even a slideshow to go along with his sharing his story. So what I'm going to share with you is um, something that I was, by God's mercy and grace, something I was able to go and do um, and nothing of me and his light um, that has made me new, has made me new to share his light to others. And so what you hear from me this morning is just uh, a brief description of, of that working out by God's grace in my life. And it um, comes with this story, and it also comes with um, some things the Lord convicted of me, uh, of sin, of, of making my service to others my God and not serving others because of God. So I just want to share with you, uh, the Lord put it on the heart of my company, uh, it's a corporate company, uh, to, to go to Guatemala with them for a medical missions trip. Um, part of this medical missions trip was a community relations part where a group of us got to go into the homes and meet families and install stoves for cooking. Uh, Guatemala is a country of about 15 million people. Um, It's the most populated country in Central America. Of that 15 million people, there's 38% that are considered extremely impoverished. Um, They're about $30 a month uh, for their income. Uh, Very agrarian-based barter society where they trade peppers for corn or for rice um, in the community market on, on Saturdays. Um, to be able to go into these communities and, and install this really simple cooking stove that's manufactured in Guatemala has a huge, uh, long-lasting effect on their quality of life. So I'll share a little bit about that. But also, we were with a group of 100 people, um, a lot of them clinicians and surgeons and doctors and nurses. Um, and when I found out that I was going to be able to go on this trip, I was excited not only about being in this new part of the world and learning and 
and getting to know these people's stories, but also to bring the light of Christ, the gospel, um, to them, which posed harder than I thought, but also to the hundred people that I was with. Um, so I'll share about that. Um, this first picture is a, a picture of when we arrived at the hospital, there were four, four to five hundred people who had walked um, two or three days to get to where we're, we were uh, for this clinic uh, that the doctors were performing, and they lined up outside of the gates of the hospital. And this is where we stayed for the whole week. If you can go to the next slide. This girl, her name is Louisa Pop. She has cerebral palsy and she's blind. Um, her parents abandoned her at the hospital, and there was her and four or five other little babies that were in the NICU at the hospital laying in a crib of their own um, pee. Um, and the care, the standard of care is just very poor. And so we would, at night, we would come home from installing these stoves and just hold these kids and clean them and give them new sheets. And so we come home to the hospital every night to these, these beautiful um, creatures that God had made and um, that still bear his image um, even though their their outward body is broken. Um, but then during the day, we would go out. You can go to the next slide. Um, this is the group we were with for the stove part. And you can go to the next one. Um, into these homes. And this is the typical home in the countryside um, in the northeastern part of Guatemala. Uh, very poor um, from our standard. But this is all they've known for the last however many years. It's actually more advanced than it was you know, 10, 15 years ago. No running water, no electricity. Uh, they gather their water from rainwater on their roof. Uh, they put it in a big cistern and they drink it. Uh, a lot of um, diseases. Um, and you go on to the next song, but just happy faces and joyful people. They don't have certain technologies that we have here and they're not distracted by consumerism that we experience here in the Western culture, and especially in California. So to be able to be with them and see their simple gratitude for the things we were doing um, and to share a tortilla with them um, was, was a blessing for me. You can go to the next slide and you'll see um, these are just some more examples of the kids and the people. And uh, we brought in some new shoes for them. You can see that guy in the middle is showing his old shoes off. Um, and we just got to love on the kids, too, and that was one of the most amazing parts for me. Um, a lot of the children have um, burns on their arms and their legs um, from, you can go to the next slide, their, their kitchens in their home. Um, you can go to the next one here. This is a typical view, and it's beautiful down there, but go to the next one. The, the kitchens, are, I mean, the, and their cooking is right there like a campfire in the middle of your hut. Um, and there's no ventilation, and the smoke goes everywhere. And um, yeah, we would call it primitive. And the result is um, a poor quality of life, even from, from their point of view, uh, where their kids are covered in scars from burns. Um, they do the fire. They have boil, boiling water there, and the kids knock it over. So we got to go to the next one, um, install these. And you can see they're like the smoke is kind of in that picture in their eyes and... Um, and there's no, no partitions for, okay, this room is the kitchen and this room is our living area. We got to install these little stoves um, made out of cast concrete, and you can go to the next one. Um, uh, go back one more. This is the ceiling. This, the soot is just caked on there. And 
Uh, we had one house where the there was a little baby that was a month a month old, and she already had lung disease um, from breathing in the smoke. And there's a lot of um, deformities, um, birth defects because of this. We got to install this stove. Finally got to it um, here, and um, it's a wood burning stove. It's pretty cool technology. And you go on to the next one. Um, and the people are just so grateful and excited to have this thing that they can't even um, you know, imagine um, using it. And a lot of them don't use it because it's so new. They have to figure it out. Um, but we, we show them how to do it. We pop some popcorn for them. And they immediately start making tortillas that we get to share. So uh, you can go on to the next one. Um, and these are the kids, again, that we come home to at night. Um, and they go to the next one. So we'll leave it here for a second. Being with this group of 100 other volunteers, uh, many different walks of life and um, backgrounds and reasons why they're down there. In John 3, 20 through 21, it talks about um, the reason why we do the truth or do things that are true. And it's because of the light. And it says... Uh, starting in 19, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. So doing the truth is a result of being in the light um, having that light make you new, as Zach talked about this morning. And so because of the light that has come, and this light being Jesus Christ, um, he has made me new. But not just new, I'm just existing as this new thing. Um, but he has made me a light or a witness for his true light. It says a little bit later in John, John 5, that referring to John as his witness... He was like a burning or shining lamp. And people were rejoiced for a little while because of this burning and shining lamp that they saw in John. But how much more for us as believers and witnesses of the true light that we have the Holy Spirit residing in us to share that light out. There was an opportunity that on the Monday night that we were in Guatemala at the hospital with these hundred volunteers um, somebody stood up at the dinner time and said, hey, beginning Tuesday, uh, whoever wants to meet after, after dinner for devotions, join us. So Tuesday at 8.30, went over there was 25 people. And I was just like, this is awesome. It wasn't a Christian mission that we were down there with. And there was no um, preaching or proselytation or, or sharing of the light of, of an organized fashion. But there was in this way we got, gathered together and we read scripture and we prayed for each other. And they gave me the opportunity to share with these 25 to 30 people on Thursday. And so I shared about um, what James talks about, about our faith resulting in works and actions. And it's because of our faith that we get to do that, not vice versa. Not We don't gain faith by doing good works. Um, and so to put it and to wrap it up... Um, the Lord convicted me. I was down there. I'd done a few other missions trips in my life, and it's a lot of people down here, 
this was their first time, and I, and I thought myself as better than them because I had done it before. And when I got to share with them on Thursday about doing it out of a motivation that we get to because of what he has done in us, um, I was convicted because I had made a pursuit of serving others and, um, and doing things for others um, as, as my end pursuit and not seeing that I get to do that because of Christ. And I had made that thing a God rather than putting God in his, where he is already rightful in my heart and, and working out of that motivation. And I, I had roommates that weren't believers, and they would ask me, what is this devotion thing you're going to at night? And I just got to show them we, we get to s- sit around and, and read Scripture, the, the word of life, the true bread of life, um, and pray for one another to be encouraged in what we're doing here. And they were intrigued, and they would ask more questions and things. And um, on Thursday night, after we talked about our faith and our works, we got to go into the recovery room with 25 people from surgery. And we just decided to put what we had talked about in faith and works into action. And we went around to each bed and prayed for the patients. Now, some of them, a lot of them spoke Pakom, which is a Mayan language. And so we just grabbed a translator that wasn't a believer um, and said, hey, we're going to pray for these people. And we went to each bed and, and prayed in Jesus' name for their healing and their peace. And we'd ask them in English to Spanish to Pacom, is there anything we can pray for them for besides their ailment or what their ailment was? Um, and so there was a light shining um, because of the good news of the gospel, because of the light that had come and transformed our hearts um, with this group in this larger group. And there was two people that professed faith in Christ that week, a part of the group, which is just praise God for that. Um, and I think there's maybe one or two more, but you can flip through them real quick. Um, oh, yeah, you can leave it on this one. So I was in Guatemala, um, but we're here in San Diego, in whatever part of neighborhood you're in. We don't have to be halfway across the world or um, go on a missions trip to, to be a witness for the light that has come into the world and changed us and made us new. Um, and so I encourage you, brothers and sisters in the Lord, to to have your light shining in every part of your life. Um, and the Lord has shown me that I do these missions trips or these things, um, and then during the week or the months or the years in between them, I am not consistently living as a light uh, for Him. And so He does... Uh, give us grace and mercy every day to do that, and he empowers us with his Holy Spirit. Um, so do not hear law in that, oh, we have to do this, but we get to do it, and it's a wonderful thing. Um, and people can rejoice with us as they see the light burning in us because we're pointing to Christ, who is the true light. So thank you guys for letting me share. As we, uh, as we draw near to the light, whether it's for the first time or again, to the light of Jesus Christ, we will be made new. We will know joy like never before. And we will be sent to share His light with others. And people will be saved. People will be born again. People will be adopted into the family of God by sharing the light of Jesus Christ. 
And it will be incredible, and it will be wonderful, and it will be hard, and it will be challenging. And hopefully some of you will even go to places where you will be persecuted for the sake of the light. And it will all pay off in the end when Jesus makes you perfect and gives you everything. Because that's what he promises. So I hope that you want to be a part of this this family that is on the move, this family of the light and this tribe of witnesses that we are. And I don't mean just new city as a congregation, but I mean a part of the people of God and the family of God. That's what we're invited into today and every day is to to engage or re-engage with being part of this family of witnesses of the light. So let's um, remind one another as we take communion together, as the musicians uh, are going to come back up and play some music in your own time as families, as couples, as gospel communities, as, uh, you know, kind of discipleship families. You can go to the table and remember again the life that's perfect and the death that perfectly purchases your place in the family and the resurrection that gives us encouragement and hope of Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus until He comes again. And if you're here this morning and your faith isn't in Christ, you're not part of the family of God, you haven't looked at Jesus and said, yes, I believe in your name. Yes, I receive you for all that you are. If you haven't done that before now, that's all that He He says as you believe in Him. It's not that you do 50 things and then you believe in Him. You believe in Him and He invites you into His family. He saves you into His family. Uh, If that's you and you're here this morning and He's giving you that faith right now, um, you can come up to me or, or you can talk to the person who maybe you came with about that and what that means. Maybe take communion as part of the family for the first time, even right now. And repent and believe and then you can be invited into the family and obey Jesus by being baptized and identifying as his own part of the body. And for all of us this week, I want us to do anything and everything we can to receive the light again, to believe the light, to be transformed from the inside out by the light of Jesus. Do anything and everything you can by the grace and the power of Jesus to help others to see the light. In order to be witnesses to the light, we have to be more than students on a Sunday. We make disciples on Monday. We give our time away on Tuesday. We love the wayfarer on Wednesday. We teach someone else on Thursday, we maybe fast on Friday and we serve the poor on Saturdays and we come back again to encourage one another the next Sunday. If we're going to love God, the light, and share His light with others, we must love our most difficult neighbors. We'll give ourselves constantly and wholeheartedly to His Word. And we will make his light known to every neighbor and every nation from San Diego to Central America. If we just know and draw near to the light, he will do that in us and through us. Let me pray and then, like I said, take communion.
God, I thank you for this morning and I pray that whatever I said or ranted on about that was unhelpful, you'll help everyone to forget. And whatever I said that was good news and from your word and from uh, the heart of, of you, Father, will be remembered and be effective to transform lives both here and elsewhere. We're so forgetful, Lord, so I pray that you'll strengthen us and embolden us to remind one another all week long of the light. Pray that we won't overcomplicate drawing near to the light. That we won't hesitate in drawing near to Jesus because we don't have the right formula for how to do a Bible study just right, but we will just go to your word and worship you there day in and day out. We will draw near to you in prayer without hesitation because we get to... And through you working in our lives, we will be bold and and strengthened and equipped missionaries, sharing the light, being witnesses to those all around us. I pray that our love for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ will be a witness to the world who is watching, that we are yours and it is good to be yours. pray that you'll convict us of where we're holding on to darkness in our hearts right now, Holy Spirit. All the lies that we believe that make us think that it's better to hide certain areas from your light, certain areas of our lives from your light, uh, those lies are, are wicked and horrible, and I pray that we will stop believing those lies. Pray that I will stop believing those lies. Instead, we'll believe the truth that the light cleanses us from unrighteousness, cleanses us from what's wrong, cleanses us from our strife, cleanses us from division, cleanses us from our hatred for others. So give us clean hearts, Lord. Help us to remember your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.